0: He said, so Thursday night, the team is practicing, and I, I came in after Road to Recovery, and after a little bit, they're singing this song. I said, this is the psalm I'm preaching today. That is my psalm. So that is, so, so. God has something that he's orchestrated for us to sing that. I mean, that's a great song. That's a song you can going to have in your mind all week long. And that's, yeah, that's Psalm 34, and I'm speaking to that, as as this kind of crazy COVID Thanksgiving, and trying to pick up some of you who kind of feel feel like this, there's not much happy in your Thanksgiving just because you're limited. You're not allowed. You can't. You're not traveling like you would. Your family's not traveling in like they would. All kinds of limitations that we have. I Came across this video that someone's just crying out to God, and kind of picks up a lot of the sentiments of, of this particular Thanksgiving. So we'll go ahead and get the lights, and we'll show that. Oh,
1: yeah. oh, thanks. Dear God, I know I'm supposed to be thankful in all things, in all the seasons, through trials and tribulations and good times and bad. But here I am in the middle of it, sad and overwhelmed, the world as I knew it is gone. People I love are suffering. The life I walk through is suddenly no more. I can't gather around a table and celebrate family. I can't hold hands with those I care about. Instead, grief and despair seem to be eager dinner guests. God, I don't feel like celebrating. But I sit at my table and I close my eyes listening for that still, small voice, the one that always manages to rise above all the noise of this life. I hear you, above the sadness, above the fear, above the bewilderment of all that has happened this year. there you are, whispering, be still, and know that I am God. And I close my eyes, and I take a deep breath and I find my thankfulness in a God who is still in control. Amen. Yeah,
0: because we know this Thanksgiving, for some of you, is just you really are celebrating good things that have happened in your life, maybe because of COVID. I mean, that's kind of one of the directions we want to go Tuesday night is we want to hear, so how has this awful year proved out good for you? And we understand some of you are going into Thanksgiving barely hanging on, and maybe walking the road that our that our brother is in that video. You know God is at work. I mean, we just got through Thessalonians and everything. Give thanks, and you're trying to be there, but it's just this is just a crazy Thanksgiving. This is a crazy COVID Thanksgiving. And so when life gets crazy, boy, it, the one good place to go is Psalms because you meet people whose lives have just hit a crazy moment or a crazy season, and they're trying to wrestle, wrestle that out. And so you have psalms where the psalm writer is wrestling with God, where are you? Why don't you hear my prayer? Why am I crying myself to sleep every night? You, you find psalms when people that assure you, having come out the other side, that you can trust God in the middle of it because he will take you through it. And so I want to look at Psalm 34, But you need to appreciate, to appreciate Psalm 34, you have to read Psalm 56, because there's several times that you have a couple of Psalms that speak to the same moment. So I want to read you Psalm 56, because you kind of get a snapshot of what happened before Psalm 34. So Psalm 56 is one of David's, and, and I never realized that when you turn to Psalms and you get those little, like in my Bible, it's all capitalized, the fine print, about, you know, this is one of David's, that that's part of the original, that's part of the Hebrew scripture, that that's just as much intentional by God as the rest of the psalm. So Psalm 56, it says, to the choir master, according to, and David picks the tune that he wants his song sung to, the dove on the far-off terbrince, a miktam of David, that's just some kind of musical term, when the Philistines seized him in Gath, so the Philistines, they're the number one enemy of the nation of Israel at David's time. And he was in Gath. We'll talk about that in a couple minutes. And they seized him. He was captured in the, in the city of Gath. It's one of the five leading cities in, Phili- in the Philistine kingdom. So this is what he writes. When they seized him, be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. Present tense. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? That's kind of his, his I trust God mantra, isn't it? All day long they injure my cause. Because all their thoughts against me are for evil. They stir up strife, they lurk, they watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime, will they escape? In wrath, cast down these people, O God. You've kept the count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know: that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise; in the Lord, whose word I praise; in God I trust; I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I'll render thank offerings to you, for you've delivered my soul from death, and yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of light. That's kind of more in the moment, where Psalm 34 becomes more after the moment. In fact, Psalm 34, you know, David's had time to think about this and, and to replay this again, and maybe it's just a random moment a couple of years later or whatever when he's just thinking, holy smokes, I was just thinking about that time they grabbed me in Gath." and just you know, thinking about it, thinking about it, and ended up writing a song about it, but really took his time because Psalm 34 is an acrostic. You know what acrostic is? We used to, we used to have to do that every year in elementary school. Do you remember that? You come into Mother's Day, you had to write your, your mom a poem in an acrostic. Mom, happy Mother's Day, Mom. M is for, uh, I don't know, the marmalade you put on my toast. O is because you are outstanding. T is for that toast. Or however you go there. Remember doing that? That's an acrostic. And that's what Psalm 34 is. In Psalm 34, every line in the Hebrew scripture starts with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. You go all the way down through it, except for the last letter is missing. So David, he's creatively put together this song, to look back at that moment that God delivered him when he was in the, in the land of Gath, he, he puts that. That's kind of what Tuesday night is. It's a replay of, hey, I know what happened in COVID, and it's, it's not just limited to COVID, it's just, I know, some, I remember something God did for me, I need to just talk about that again. You need to hear that, because sometimes we get that going in our head that I've already shared this, or people have heard this. And, you just got to go with what God prompts you to go with because he knows who's in the room and who needs it in that moment. So I want to see just what is, what is Psalm 34, what does it say to a COVID Thanksgiving? How does it speak to us about celebrating Thanksgiving in COVID? So I want to go through that and look at it. And when you, the, when you read the inscriptions, you get this sense that sometimes Thanksgiving comes in crazy times that call for crazy measures. This time has called for crazy measures. Remember that meme that came out when, when this whole thing first started? Like, Did you ever think you'd walk into a bank with a mask on and ask for money? <laughs> Remember that? And it would seem really funny at the time. Now it's just very old. It's just very old that you're going to do that. Or those of you that have just been wired by God to hug... Has this been the most frustrating eight months of your life? Yeah, I know. I knew I could count on you to say something. Yeah, you huggers or six feet. That's just weird. You know, people come in the office and we're just constantly. You know, it's like like we got these opposite magnets that go around, and you got these workers that come in and do inspections or whatever, and they just take a step toward you, you take a step back. That's just weird. That's just so weird. Or. It's weird that if we have a couple of people that I got to meet with, we got to find a bigger room than my office just so that there's better air quality. It's just, this whole thing is nuts. The whole thing, 10 people for Thanksgiving. You know, some of you I know, you're thanking God for that, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but most of us, you know, <laughs> most of us, you know, we're limited to that, you got family trying to figure out, you know, whether you can travel or how you travel, do you get tested, do you not get tested? I said to Cindy yesterday, Sorry, I usually check these things with Cindy. But I said to her yesterday, we got this email. I said, hey, the place that does the testing for at the Eastfield Mall and all that, they will send you a test at home kit. You can do it at home. I'm not doing that. I'm not sticking that up my own nose. So some of you get that. I mean, twice we've done that up our nose so we could go to Maine and up our nose just because we felt like she's working at the rescue mission. I'm working with all you people. I should, I should just check myself every couple of weeks. I've been checking myself every couple of weeks for a long time. I should just be saying that since I'm around all of you. But let's move on. Look at what David says about this psalm. Let's move on because I need this job. (laughs) Look at the inscription of this psalm. The other one, when he was seized in Gath. He gives you kind of a general picture. This psalm of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. Hey, how many of you remember that story now that you see that? Yeah, crazy times call for crazy measures for David, and he's putting this in his Thanksgiving psalm. So this moment is in 1 Samuel 21. David is fresh on the run. He's gone from being the hero that killed Goliath, and then uh, King Saul loved him for doing that, made him an officer in the army, so David had some guys under him, and he was constantly going out and raiding the Philistines and winning, always winning, which Saul loved, made his empire look good. People loved because they were pushing back this national enemy that encroached on them all the time. And they they came up with this song that they started singing. You remember the song that Saul has killed his thousands? That's great. Verse 1 is, is okay with everyone. And David has 10,000. Which, if you're in politics, that just makes you nervous when someone starts to get more fame, more attention than you. And so Saul... Saul, in part because of the natural dynamic of jealousy, but also because he was living a disobedient life, and he knew God wasn't pleased with him. He knew God had kind of lifted his spirit from him. And so, super jealous of David, goes to arrange to kill him in his home, even though he'd, mar- married, he'd married Saul's own daughter. He plans to go in his house and kill him. They find out. His wife helps him escape. He escapes on his own, and he goes to Gath. So David, is, he is newly on the run, He's, this is new to him, period. Not only is it fresh, and it's, it's been a short while, he's, he's alone. He doesn't have these, the beginnings of these mighty men yet. He's just out on his own, and he, there's a lot that's unknown to him. He figured this would be a safe place. He'd go to Gath and hide out there. And eventually, in 1 Samuel 21, the generals come to the king. Uh, Abimelech is the general name for, uh, for the Philistine rulers. Akish is the particular king, and they come to him, and they say, What in the world are you doing? Do you know this song about him? Do you know that Philistines is us? You know, that what he kills are us? You can't have him here. You need to get rid of him. Now, if you're a general, when you say the word get rid of, you have one thing in mind. You kill somebody. And so it says in 1 Samuel 21, instead, David, in our psalm, it says he changed his behavior. In 1 Samuel 1, it said he began to act like a madman that he began, to, he began to drool so much, it just filled his beard. Yeah I, was, yeah, I was thinking about that this week. How much drool does it take? Really? I mean, a beard like mine, I could just, you know, work out about a tablespoon of drool, and you would see it. I'm thinking this is... <laughs> Stay with me. I'm thinking David's probably got more like a Chris Breton beard. So imagine that step from being grossed out by it to think about how how desperate he is and how he creative he's being in the moment. In first Samuel 21 it says that's that's what he was doing acting like a crazy person, getting so much drool filled his beard and then he was making marks on the door. You know, back in the days when they made doors out of real wood. He's making marks on that door. You know, automatically I think, wow, how is he doing that? But if you're If you're trying to pretend that you've lost your mind, you may be banging your head against that door because you're trying to convince people there's nothing to fear from him. And that's what the king says. The king says to his generals, what, I don't have enough madmen in the kingdom? You had to to bring me one more? Get rid of him. And so they get rid of him. And this is the song that David writes. Crazy time, crazy measures. You know, so here you are living in this crazy time. And some of you, are you're just so compliant, and you're going with all of these these restrictions we have to live by, and others of you are finding out just how wired for rebellion you are or to have a hard time means true, isn't it? It's just you hate this. You hate being told, you know, with this, this is crazy. Even that our church looks like this, this is nuts that we've got... We got, the other night we had three tape measures out, trying to six feet. Is this six feet? Is it six feet front, back, sideways? All it's just nutty. But in the midst of that, in those the midst of those crazy measures, you know, David is telling you, that's what's going on, and he lets you know he's not this mighty, emotionless man. He says in verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Plural. There was a lot to be afraid of in that moment. You know, is he gonna get out of there alive? You know, is he gonna if he gets out of there alive, is Saul gonna find him? Is he gonna be on the run? What's gonna happen to Michael, his wife? What's how long is this gonna go on? Is God gonna intervene for him, or is God gonna deliver him while he's on the run? There's just so many fears that he has. But he's he's in this crazy moment, he does something crazy, and God shows up. So let me read Psalm 34. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord, so let the humble hear and be glad. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together, because I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. So taste and see, the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, and listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good and seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, and not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants, and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. I mean, that's, that would be the word that he was most afraid of, right, that he'd be condemned in Gath, so he tells you, he gives you the psalm, and he he lets you know that sometimes thanksgiving comes because God is in those crazy t- measures. That's what David is writing this psalm about. Huge to realize, and this kind of dovetails with what God put on Pastor Ted's heart. So you need to hear this. David realizes that idea to act like that—that that was a God idea. That was not him. If he thought it was him, there'd be no Psalm 34. You'd have Psalm 56. You know, wow, I was scared, and, and God got me out of there. But you wouldn't have Psalm 34 to realize all of these, these things that he had to do in that moment, God was in that. So look what he says that. I will bless the Lord. Uh, My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Magnify the Lord. This is not about, wow, fellas, let me tell you about this great idea I had and how it got me out of trouble. This is, wow, did God show up in the midst of the craziness and gave me this idea and then let this guy believe it he let him believe that I'd let all these attacks on his people, these strategies that we'd done, I had killed his, his champion, and yet he, he let him believe that I, I now lost my mind, you know, and let me go. Didn't keep me there, didn't lock me up or whatever, or didn't kill me just for fun like they would do in those days. He let me go. This is totally God showing up in the, in the midst of this. You know, it says says in in Psalm 119, he says, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Because that's what David says in the psalm that he was doing in verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me. That there was almost, you get a sense that for him, like a Nehemiah-like prayer, when you read Nehemiah, you keep finding all these one-sentence, two-sentences prayer, that when they realized who David was, however that came about and David realized that, he seeks God. What do I do now? God, you got to give me something fast. What do I do? I sought the Lord. That's a great word. It means you chase something down. They would use it for somebody that, that kept going the same, the same way through a field until he finally wore a path out. That's what it means to seek the Lord. You know, I've, I'm used to doing that. Here I am again, Lord. I am after you. I'm not leaning on my own understanding in this moment, I am le- leaning in on you you got to give me something, and he did. That's where David is in this moment, and so he tells you in verse 4, he delivered me. They would use that word for snatching someone. I was in the midst of this situation, you just snatched me out of that. You just got me out of that. You delivered me. You saved me in verse 6. You delivered me in verse 7. You delivered me with like this military presence. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. That's a military word that, God, I was kind of on my own without any of the army I'm used to being with, but you were the army camping around me in that moment. In the midst of that crazy, scary moment, there you were. You know, when you see God in those moments, like you're thinking of different times God has come through for you, he's provided for you, he's given you wisdom, he's given you direction. So many of our stories, you look back even before you were saved, and you think, some of you, many of you have talked about God just saved your life. He kept you alive before you came to him or sometimes since you've come to him. You realize those moments you have, God has given you to share. Because praise and thanks is never meant just be kept by you. It's never just about you. It's never just about for you. It always has an invitational piece to it. And so this psalm has this invitational piece. He's telling you what's happened, but then he's inviting you, he's inviting you into it you sh- that you should tell it. My soul makes its boast, let the humble hear and be glad. Let people who feel like they don't have what they need, they, they can't bring to a situation what it's calling for, those humble people, let them hear and be glad. Or in the next verse, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. Listen, I'm telling you what God did for me so that we can both say, wow, God, great idea. I probably wouldn't have come up with that one, David. You know? That was not the time for David to be the one to see if he could kill 300, but it would be later on for someone else. He just knew in that moment what to do, and now he's he's making it known. Worship, somebody put worship becomes witness. Worship that's done right always becomes witness. God, I worship you. This is who I've seen you become. This is who you are to me. This is what you've done for me. It has to become witness. Hey, let me tell you what God did for me. That's Psalm 34 so sometimes thanksgiving comes because you realize God is in those crazy, those crazy moments, those, those crazy minutes as they are. David's making sure you know it's not about him. You know, I think about Psalm 115 often in our role. In Psalm 115, the psalm says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your love, your steadfast love, and your faithfulness. Boy, that needs to be a mantra for Pastor Ted and I for our worship teams, for our ministry leaders, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name. And so we're making your name known for what you're doing, what you've done, like he does here. Then the rest of the psalm, it just runs out this way, always. See, sometimes you know, Thanksgiving comes in crazy times, you realize God's in the craziness. Always Thanksgiving comes because what God does assures what he will do. David's not telling you this psalm just so you can thank God for what he did for David. He's telling you this psalm so that you can count on that same God in your crazy moments. So he he invites us into this. So see what he starts in the next section in verse 8? Oh, taste and see. The Lord is good. Hey, you got to try this. You got to taste this. Some of you are, are looking forward to Thanksgiving, you know, because whoever it is in your life makes something that you just can't wait to eat. You know, it's so good. And my mom my mom was such a good baker her apple pie her chocolate cake it was just good and you know how thanksgiving is i mean you're full you're full to throwing up but it doesn't matter <laughs> because now it's time for dessert right and then in an hour and a half you're going to have sandwiches i mean it's just a it's a great holiday that yeah but some of you, you gotta, you you know, you haven't you gotta taste, no, not your mom's apple pie. You gotta taste my mom's or my grandmom's or my someone. In fact, if you're live streaming with us, prove that you're still with us. Just type in some food that you're looking forward to on Thanksgiving. Or on the flip side, there's also food you don't look forward to. You know, and, and you millennials, you millennials, you missed all your life is just so unfair to those of us that are older. We grew up in the days of I don't care if you like it, you're going to eat it. And then it went to, I don't care if you don't like it, you have to take a bite. Now it just seems like, oh, you don't like it, we'll make you some mac and cheese. You know? So it's just wrong. It's just wrong. God's not going to bless that. That's somewhere in there, I think, somewhere. Cindy's mom made this, I can't even remember what it's called, I think pong or pone or whatever, it's like a... If you love it, I'm sorry. It's a sweet potato thing, which I love sweet potatoes, but it's like a sweet potato custard. And then somehow, yeah, somehow she got in mind that I liked it. (laughs) And and I'm the only one that liked it. Somehow, seriously, I bet for eight years she made this. And growing up in my generation, I would take some, and I would mix it in with mashed potatoes. You know how you strategize that. And eat it. And then one year, we finally said to her something, you know. She makes it. You don't have to make that. No, I make it. I know Jeff loves it. What? You know? (laughs) So if you know my relationship with my mother-in-law, I very graciously told her. I did. I was gracious. I told her, I really don't care. I don't like it. So poem became history. It It was great. But David is telling you, I have tasted something so good. In a crazy moment, I have tasted the goodness of God. You should taste this. See, it goes beyond just inviting you into his praise. It's inviting you in to experience this God who's been so good to him. And so there's that food, taste and see. You've got to put yourself in a position where he can do for you what he did for David so you can get a taste of this. wow, you're right, that's good. That's really good. Some of you that just, you, you cook and you have recipes that are passed down, you've had that experience. This is so good. You know, I thought I'd have mac and cheese before. This is really good however, whatever that is, yeah. And then watch these cycles that he's going to do. He's just going to keep cycling us through this this assurance to us. So you have a cycle in in verses 8 through 10. Taste and see, the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints. Those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Taste, and you're not going to lack. And then he goes, come, children, listen to me. He starts in verses 11 to 13. And then in verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears toward their cry. You know, just get a sense that God is watching, 18 to, uh, 15 to 18. And then in 19, many of the afflictions of the righteous, like Pastor Ted, Ted was saying, it's not, this is not a smooth ride. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers out of the out of them all. And then what I think is just the summary verse of the psalm, in verse 22, the Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Here you know, it's interesting, you watch in the psalm is this fear flip. In verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he delivered me from all of my fears. But then he's going to use the word fear over and over through the rest of the psalm, but in a totally different way. In verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. In verse 9, O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. In verse 11, Come, O children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. That he's, he's flipped fear from being something that erodes his trust in God and erodes his confidence in life and that th- he can get out of this and that this thing is going to work, and he flips it to all I got to do is fear the Lord, and if I fear the Lord, I'll be Okay. Even if there, I'm in afflictions, even if I'm in the city of Gath, no matter where I am, if I just fear the Lord, you know, recognize his power and who he is, and stay in my place and keep him as in his place, I'll be okay. I don't know what the afflictions he has planned are. I don't know what those are. And I've got to let him be God in that, but I'll be okay. That's where he goes in that whole fear flip. Because the COVID season, boy, that has just stirred fear in so many people. And some of you in the church family have talked about that, that it's stirred a fear you didn't realize you had. You're kind of surprised by how fearful you've come. And so you just you just seek the Lord. Lord, in the midst of this, you just assure me you're going to protect me. You're going to protect me the way you choose. You're going to protect me in a way so that I taste and see that you're good. I know that's, that's the, you know, I don't have anything to be afraid of because I just have to taste you and see that you're going to be good. You choose the You always have to say a caveat. You get to choose how you're going to be good, but you're going to be good, and I'm going to experience that. The one thing that goes all the way through the psalm is that God just doesn't do this for David. You know, he invites you to taste and see. He's inviting us all to experience that. That's an insignificant point because so many of us, we just write ourselves out of that. Well, that's for those, you know, really strong saints like Pastor Ted was talking about. This is for all of us. This psalm and its truth and its reassurance, it's for all of us. This season, every season, it's an assurance for all of us. And so see how he does that? in, in verse 9, fear the Lord, you his saints. He, he's inviting you into that. Again, in, in verse 9, those who fear him have no lack. There's not special people there. In verse 10, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. It's for all of us. Even in the middle of this, you can be assured. Look what he says in in verse 17. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. Here's your assurance that the Lord sees you, that the Lord hears you, and that he's responding to you. In verse 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit, that he knows how your heart is doing. He knows the weight that you're carrying. He knows the grief that you have. Some of you now, we've been in this long enough that that more and more people in the church family are knowing people that have had COVID and that, that have struggled because of COVID or now have lost jobs or just the, just all of the dominoes that have come as a result of, of this season. But the Lord is near that person. In the moments that we wrestle with God, where are you? David is assuring us, no, he's near. He's near to the broken heart and he saves those who feel like they're being crushed under this. You know. That's just an assurance that we have. And then do you see what he says in verse 20? He keeps all his bones, and not one of them is broken. Hey, how many of you hear that and think, boy, I know there's a verse somewhere that talks about that. Anybody else see that? Because it'll say, you'll find that verse later on in Scripture where it says, I think this is my verse. No, I think I copied it but didn't put it up there. Let me see if it's that one. Nope. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, in John 19, it says that Jesus' crucifixion, that none of his bones were broken. And John will quote this verse. That your suffering, it will tie you to Jesus. You know, I'm not sure what that means because, boy, there's a lot of our persecuted brothers and sisters that are having their bones broken. So I'm not sure... I'm not sure how this applies out, but I do know that it will tie me to Jesus. Remember Paul said he wanted to know, he wanted to know uh, Christ. He wanted to know the powers of the resurrection, but he said he also wanted to know the fellowship of suffering, which, which people testify to, that they just have this sense that when they suffer for the name of Jesus, that they are sharing in something he shares in. So, so there's this sense that, you know, God is watching over you. You can you can trust Him to see you, trust Him to hear you, trust Him to be near to you, trust Him through Jesus to walk through that road of suffering. In fact, when Peter, First Peter writes that letter, when Peter writes his first letter about suffering, he keeps pointing us to Jesus. You know, walk the way Jesus suffered. Jesus didn't he didn't get smart with his mouth. He just suffered well in that. So when did he write this Psalm 56 on the run? Psalm 34, after he's had time to think about it and realize, what just happened? What happened to me, to me there? It's just the start of his life on the run. He doesn't know that. There's a lot of unknowns, but he writes what he does know. Then he invites us into it, and then he invites us to taste and see it, to experience it for ourselves. Assuring us, this last point so significant that you can be assured. Thanksgiving always assures it always follows assurance. If you can be sure of what it is, God will do. If you can be sure of who he is in your life, if you can be sure that he's going to ex- let you experience good, Thanksgiving will always follow that. It, Thanksgiving is hard when you're, when you're not so sure. You, things are getting crazy, and then you're not so sure about what goes on. So let me wrap up, and then we have a couple stories we want to tell you. But let me wrap up with that. For you to just step back and think, man, I am in the middle of this craziness. We're all in the middle of COVID, but some of us just feel like this is there's a craziness that's just dominating my life. And some of you, some of you, fear is just a word that you know so well. It's just part of your story. So I want to, just before I pray, I want to just say, what's the fear in your hand? What's the fear that you carry everywhere you go? And, and this morning... Can you can you walk with David? You know, I sought the Lord and he delivered me from all of my fears. Can you dare to believe, God, you can take this fear. You can replace it with taste and see that the Lord is good. Can you do that this morning? Can you can you give that to him? Can you have that assurance even if nothing changes? Can you have that assurance that you will experience the goodness of God? You know, he said, in, I think it was in Psalm 56, he talked about in the land of the living. Psalm 116 says that. I know I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will see so much good that it will quiet the voice of fear. So let me pray. Father, thank you so much for these snapshots that you've put in the books of Psalms. These, it's almost like your faithfulness photo album that you've put there for us. Thank you. We're so grateful at times that You allow there to be psalms of David or others really wrestling out with not being able to find you in a moment to allow us to kind of walk that road with them, to know that that's okay to do with them, and then to find that safe landing place that they always always found. Thanks for Psalm 34. So many of those verses are familiar to us from different times or seasons or songs. Thank you for this truth. Thank you for that truly crazy moment when David acted crazy and in the midst of doing something incredibly outrageous, is that what we say, Lord? He found you, he, and he, he experienced your faithfulness in that. Help us to believe that for ourselves, O oh God, that in the midst of things that, parts of our lives that seem like they're outrageous, that you're going to show up and you're going to do what's good. And help us to take that to encourage one another with it, not just to be blessed in ourselves, but to be able to share that so others can be drawn in, others can magnify and exalt you, but also others can taste and see. And I wanna pray over those, Lord, for whom fear is such a battle, such a stronghold, maybe that's the word we use. I wanna pray this day, O oh Lord, that they would be able to lift that up to you again the thousandth time, maybe for some people, just lift that up to you again and believe that you can take that and believe that you can step into that place that fear has, has dominated them and dominated their thinking and their reacting and their relating, that you can take that away and, and replace it with the assurance of your goodness and the assurance of your showing up like you showed up in the city of Gath on that day. We pray that so we might walk in assurance and we may be able to tell people how assured we are because we know you. That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.